Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew all here. Fun show today. Lots of football discussion. John McClain is on the show in an hour. We'll recap all of the NFL news and headlines. And former Titans tight end Delaney Walker joins us in studio as he officially retires from the NFL today. A press conference happening this afternoon, and then he'll swing by the studio here in downtown Nashville around 4.15 Central, 5.15 Eastern. Looking forward to chatting with uh, Delaney. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Coached a little softball last night. It's cold uh, right now it in Nashville, cold. Tennessee, so fall has arrived. A little bit of different uh, feeling in the air when you're playing and coaching softball. Not that I'm playing softball right now, but I feel like I am because I have to pitch the little girls. <clears throat> well, I begrudge you because you are a lover of fall. I am not a lover of fall because it uh, forebodes winter. And I am a hater of uh, winter. You're so. more of a spring guy. If the, if the conditions are similar yes. in fall and spring temperature-wise, you want spring because it forebodes summer yes. as opposed to and winter. And I, I don't mind summer, uh, uh, even you know when it gets super hot. Uh, there's something to that for me. Nervous day for me, boys, after waiting. I thought we were going to get a ridiculous 9.30, 9.45 Eastern start last night. I think they really do a disservice to fans. I mean, if I've got a ticket to game five, a pivotal deciding game, and I'm at Yankee Stadium for three hours in the rain waiting for all of that, then I come home, then I might have to work today at 2.07 Eastern. Um, I mean, it's just crazy the lengths they'll go to. They desperately wanted to get the game in last night, obviously in prime time. They can't put it in prime time today. Why? Because they're hell-bent that the ALCS has to open tomorrow. It's baseball, and sometimes it rains, and sometimes you have to adjust the schedule, and I don't understand why they can't simply play in the evening today and push back the ALCS by a day. Well, they don't push back games. They just do double headers, don't they, in the regular season? Yeah, but not in the postseason. Well, well that's in, why they're in not. The, in the regular season, sometimes you'll push back a game. You know, you'll tag it on to a later series during the, the season. Well, what you're saying is what all this would do is to move back the predetermined start time of a series. Which they're helping. They're unwilling on. to do that. The divisional series starts on this date. The championship series starts on this date. The World Series starts on this date. And guess what? The Yankees or the Guardians are going to be hosting Game 3, I believe, of the ALCS. And it could rain in Cleveland or New York on those days. And it could be forced to push back a day. It's baseball. Some, some of the idiotic talk, I gotta, I'm doing a better job not listening to idiots on Twitter. But last night, I kept checking for updates, right? And then there's conversation. You know, one of the Yankees beat writers says, uh, the crew is going to get together with the weather people and have a discussion at X time. 
And then I read some of the things on that. One guy says, why didn't they just play it at two o'clock? Like, like you could tell uh, 55,000 people, hey, the game's going to be play, played five hours earlier than the ticket that you bought. Yeah. Like, like right. you could do something feasible like that. Sometimes it rains. You know, huh? the, the Kevin Costner told us so in the uh, Bull Durham, Bull Durham speech. Yeah. Beat Cleveland before game five, and we don't have this problem. Yeah, Paul. Well, that's true. Yeah, thank you. That's what, that's what all the Guardians fans say. Man, you guys let us hang around, and then this happens. But it's tough on us working folk. You know, and well, most people aren't able to. What they're to, doing, though, is in the, it's in the best interest of the players. It is, because you get and, out of there and tonight. And the next series. And get to, to Houston. Uh, but, but it would be in the best interest of the fans and not bad for the players if that game was at 6 o'clock. Well, tonight. here's the thing. It, what would have been best for Cleveland and the Yankees is to do what the guy that you hate on Twitter said to do. Yeah, but it's not, it's not Move possible. it up to 2 o'clock and say, fans that have tickets be damned, we're going to do this for television for the next series and for ease of the next series for the winner. Because Tyler was tell, telling us apparently Cleveland could not find a hotel for their entire team. Last yeah, night, they had, they had to split, split hotels. And the Yankees, there was a big misinterpreted story that the Yankees had trouble. Their plane was delayed coming back. It wasn't the team's plane. It was the family plane. So the family plane had trouble getting back from Cleveland. The team plane got back fine. So guys went back to their houses. Their families weren't necessarily there, but they got their sleep. So well, nervous, wait. nervous day. So the Yankees changed their starting pitcher here to Cortez. Um, the because your guy went through the warm up, right? Indians are, are not um, staying. Well, he got an extra day's rest, and he is <clears throat> he's actually used to coming out of the bullpen. He came up as a reliever. He's now a starter. Tyone is probably second in line if if Cortez gets knocked around. The question is, you know, I'm listening to the podcast coming in. You know, will they be satisfied if he gets through the order once? Will they try to get him through the order twice? What's the pecking order? But it's good for the Yankees who use their relievers more that they got their bullpen rested. Cleveland's frontline bullpenners were ready to go. Look, Class A, their big-time reliever, if he's going to give them two innings or two points something, Yankees have to do their scoring early. How is Class A spelled? Close. Like close? Yeah, I think. I was hoping it was, like, classy. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's Class A. Excuse me. I don't think you're beating that guy. But you can beat this Savale who's, who's starting for them, and they probably want to get through the order one time with. And Bieber, Francona's just determined to not throw on short rest because he's got some injury history. That would have been big if, if this extra day got them Bieber back, obviously. And I can't say Bieber without laughing because I think of the Beliebers and, and Justin, not Shane. Well, uh, both are good at what they do. Very one, one guy terrorizes his neighborhood, right? <laughs> Both very talented. Both might, for all I know. We don't, well, to be yeah, fair. We have no idea about the pitch. I don't know about Shane Bieber's neighborhood, yeah. so he could too. It is Shane, right? I'm not even positive about his first name. Yeah, it is. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360, Monday Night Football last night, another uh, bust, even though it was, it was overtime. But man, well, for once, I thought, oh, here's Russell Wilson, the Broncos. The offense came to life in the first quarter. 10 for 10 passing, 170 yards, 10-0 lead. No. I was thinking about you nothing. last night, Chad, because you, you made uh, uh, inspired, uh, talked to us yesterday about the NFL being bad so far, and I didn't come back with um, at least the games have been close. The stats on close games have been ridiculous. Uh, and, and I do, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy about the number of close games. Yeah. But a number of these close games – 
I mean, just Denver alone in four primetime games. They lost 17-16 to Seattle. That game was compelling because uh, Geno Smith was beginning to break out and, and he lost. Russell Wilson lost in his homecoming. They beat San Francisco 11-10, miserable. They lost to Indianapolis in the worst game in history, 12-9 in overtime. And last night was 19-16. All of these games were close. None of them were any good. So there's no saving grace in the closeness, though it could have been worse if there was some separation. Last night, they won the first down in overtime. There's a turnover that set up a winning field goal by a kicker who can't walk. These games are the, the unwatchability of these primetime these primetime games NFL is, is through the roof. It's so bad that it has forced me to agree with Darren Ravel on Twitter, who posted this last night and almost retweeted it. He says, college football right now, in particular their marquee games and prime windows, is so far superior to the NFL from a watching perspective, it's not even close. He's right. I mean, Saturday alone, you had 52-49, 43-42, Utah over UCLA. You had a great high-scoring close game between TCU and Oklahoma State. Now, this is where, you know, the old hardcore football person says, well, they're not playing enough defense in college, and this is all deep. That's not defense. There's good defenses. Denver's got a great defense. Chargers, okay defense. It's bad offense, bad quarterback play. That's leading to this combination of bad football in the NFL. And I'm not some anti-NFL, college-all-the-way guy every year. But this year, Darren Ravel's right. It's not close. College football is way more compelling and way more watchable than the NFL. I'm, and that, that's a departure from recent seasons in the NFL. I'm very much an NFL guy. And the point is inarguable so far this season that you hope there's better NFL football to come. And speaking of Darren Ravel, this is a big week for him. We know he collects um, civil rights memorabilia. Yeah. There's a big Rosa Parks documentary de debuting on Peacock this week. So I'm sitting with bated breath to see what his review, Rosa Parks, well, his review. And what, well, I'm curious what Rosa Parks memorabilia he may have that he shares with us in conjunction with this Wasn't special. it the, the bus ticket that he was either trying to acquire or had that sparked Started all this? this whole thing? Yes. Whoa. So we could get episode two of that. Do you think because the backlash, though, of him uh, bragging about his civil rights memorabilia collection will stop him from tweeting about this documentary? Even though it, it would be in his nature to tweet about everything with it. I'm waiting with bated breath. I bet he doesn't. This is very interesting about her. He doesn't her. seem like a very self-aware guy, so I'm sure he'll continue to tweet whatever because he wants. Because she is perceived as meek, and her, her, her comment when she took, refused to give up the seat was that she's tired, and people took that as like she was tired that day and she just didn't want to get up. But really, she was saying, I've seen a preview to this, that she was just tired of the whole thing, of giving up seats on the bus and, and everything. And she really was much more of a civil rights leader than she's been given credit for. So I'm kind of interested in seeing this special, but it's weird I, that I it would, would make would me think it. of Darren I, Ravel in any way, shape, or form. I don't have Peacock. I would watch it, but that's one of the few streamers that I do not subscribe See, to. See, I think they've done the best job, Peacock, streaming-wise, because it's free if you have Comcast. So it was the first of the network streaming services out. A, they were first, which was big. They were ahead of uh, Paramount Plus and all of that. And B, Comcast at least in our neck of the woods, is the primary 
cable service and you get it for free if you've got Comcast, which is a smart relationship. Do you guys ever see a trailer or something or a show coming out and you like most of the time you say, okay, this is going to be awesome or this is going to be terrible? It's one or the other response. You've got a middle There's ground? Very, no, it's not even middle. Very few times do I watch a trailer or something or read about it and I think, boy, this could be the greatest thing of the year or the worst thing I've seen in a while. And the example is the creator of Yellowstone, Taylor Sheridan, has a new show coming to Paramount Plus with Sylvester Stallone starring in it. Oh, I've seen it. It's called Tulsa King. Yeah. And the premise is Sylvester Stallone is a mafia guy that's been in prison for 30 years. He gets out and he gets reassigned to Tulsa where he's going to be the new Don of Tulsa. So he's basically going to a town with no mafia and creating a mafia that he's running. And I'm watching the trailer to it. And I'm thinking, okay, this looks good. This part looks a little cheesy. I don't know what they're trying to do with this. I'm just, I'm going to watch it, give it a chance. Cause I love Yellowstone. I love what Taylor Sheridan does for the most part. Loved 1883 looking forward to 1923 also as part of the Yellowstone universe. But man, I just don't know. I th- it, I, I'm not even in the middle. I think it's going to be awesome or horrifically bad. I think it looks good, and I'm going to take this 20 right here and say, you will love it. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. Now, all you have to do is just say you don't like it to win 20 bucks. Well, yeah, I fear, he's an honest I'll, I'll, give, I'll give my honest assessment. I fear that it's going to Are you in have, for the 20? Paul, I fear it's going to have a really good pilot in episode one, and it's going <laughs> to end well. Off. And then by episode three and a half, halfway through the third episode, oh, this is now not what I want it to Season be. Season one, you will love it. Are okay. you in or out? I'm in. Oh, he's in. I'm in. Give me That's that 20 okay. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll hold, you'll hold, you'll hold I need some it. cash. Out of cash. And we have a way of forgetting bets that aren't on, uh, online. Um, so history happened last night with, uh, with Justin Herbert. So it, it, I told you guys. It's these... incredible. He throws 57 times. 57 times. And not for once. 238 yards and no touchdowns. Wow. And it's in line with the boost. He, I'm telling you, these boosts are dangerous ground. So the boost was, stay away from it. The boost was uh, minus 800 for Herbert to have at least one touchdown pass, and it was moved up to plus 100. I mean, you have to. That is with weird. 50, I mean, you've got to take that. Matt Ryan attempted 58 passes this past week for nearly 400 yards. And How many touchdowns? Herbert, uh, four, I believe. I mean, it's hard rushing. not to throw a touchdown given these circumstances. Hard. And they had a kicker who couldn't walk. <laughs> well, let me, also, let me also clarify because the OutKick account said that was my pick last night. You guys were here. I had no pick. Oh, yeah, had no there was pick. No pick. And I made no bets last night. That is how bad my losing streak has been. I would not even go with the boost that appeared to be a winner had I touched it, it really wouldn't have worked, I'm and it didn't work you, anyway. Stay away, from, stay away from boosts. They always go bad. And I knew that something was fishy with this. I don't touch boosts. Here's another one that I'd like to know. And, and this anyone, was the most obvious take it boost ever. I still wouldn't touch it. Has anyone ever won one of those long, suggested parlays? Yes. You have? Yeah. Yes. You just bet on one? I have. How many? Have. And how uh, often do you do it? Three or four. And I did it a lot when we were doing our picks per day. Need it. So, we needed help because it yeah. was hard to come up with them. Good. Um, yeah, I, I just. I've never met anyone. No, I, no I'm not saying I've won it a lot. I've said I won it three or four times and I bet it a lot on a daily basis. <laughs> it was my turn. Well, I was, I'm just trying to think, get, find a percentage. <clears throat> three or four times in a year, six months, a month. Well, what's interesting on all these apps, you can see the number of people that have placed the wager on the suggested parlay. Yep. 
It's a lot. Um, yeah, but if I, I go for the lower odds ones, they so aren't doing as many of those uh, as many of those ones that um, the more people that bet it, the better the odds get. Those were fun. Yeah, bring those back. Yeah, Let's like it would have been good if there was a Tennessee one for upsetting Alabama. You know, and the more Tennessee people that bet it in state, the higher the odds go. Outkick.com slash bet is where you can go find your straight wagers, parlays, and much more. 47 instances now of a team winning a game in the NFL this year with 24 points or less through six weeks. 47? 47. 24 points or less. Through six weeks, and even, I mean, one of them was uh, Buffalo against Kansas City this past week. Offense is down, but the league is saying they're not hitting the panic button yet. What can they do? I mean, what is the reason? Well, are, we, are we practicing enough? Are we? I mean, what is going on? Well, it's I mean, like an extended uh, training camp preseason into the season. Now I feel like yeah, with offenses trying to figure way. it out. But they didn't practice at all in 2020, and. They and set things records were just fine. for scoring. Coming yeah, it's right almost like that hurt the defense more, but now whatever's going on is hurting the offense more. Well, but but the thing is, like people are ripping on Brady. Uh, I, how many quarterbacks can we list that practice all the time that suck? Yeah, no one's mentioning those guys. No, so, and and Brady's not playing great by any means, but he's also got offensive line and and um, receiver issues. I think I wonder. Where sacks are, I haven't looked at sack numbers, uh, but I feel like quarterbacks, this is just a, a guess, like top of my mind, quarterbacks are under duress more, and I don't know if that's as much about Pressures. pass rushers as it is about offensive linemen, and I'm just wondering, brainstorming here, if it's finally catching up that the linemen coming in out of college are just not as good at pass protecting. Maybe so. I mean, so if we were making a list of things to consider of and look into, were protecting in 2020. Yeah, and they averaged through this point of the season three three more points per game than the pace they're on right now. I'm surprised it's that little. Well, Feels that, more like more. the average. The average team uh, scored 24 points, 24.8. If you want to round up, go at it. Um, in in 2020, right now the average. Scoring is 21.6. Yeah, let's call that 25. And we'll call the other one 22 then. And you mentioned so. Tom Brady and people talking about him, you know, leaving yeah. a day during the week. He was on the Let's Go podcast and he was talking with Kevin Durant. And this is a story from TMZ with the quotes from this. He said, and I quote, I almost look at a football season like you're going away on deployment for the military. And it's like, man, here I go again. Brady admitted that he wants to do things in his personal life during the season, but finds it nearly impossible to do any of them from a family perspective and sees his job as going away on military deployment when the season starts. I mean, that's... That, that's, not, that's not a guy that I would say um, isn't giving it his all, even if he's taking a day off during the week. Well, <laughs> if that's, that's your mindset going into a season, right? And that's what it takes for a quarterback to be the quarterback that he's been. I think. I, I think at other positions, it's not necessary necessarily to go that far. I think some do, though. Maybe it's some. You know? Jerry Rice, you know, it, it probably is that. But, you know, does, does a fullback, you know, who need to do that? Probably, I don't know that anybody has to do it. But if you're that great at what you do and you feel like part of the reason you're great 
is because you treat it that way, you're going to keep doing it. Oh, sure. Your regiment. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. he's regimented in I, I don't know what, I know how good Tom Brady's been in his career. I don't know how great he would be if he didn't treat it exactly like that. He may be just the same. He may be worse. But in his mind, he's got to do it to be Tom Brady. Yeah, but some people we know overdo it. Like, you could well, get to the I point mean, where your tank is full and then continue yeah, I'm sure to there, over. There may come a, a time That's where possible. Tom Brady says, I probably overdid it. But that's how I worked myself up during the season. But no one was critical of that. We're critical of Kyler Murray, who, you know, oh, absolutely, is, is doing yeah. the because minimum he's playing based video on what you hear. know the perception of the contract. Yeah. Again, perception of the contract there, because I don't think he becomes the number one overall pick, two sport, first round athlete that he was, uh, just on sheer luck. And he's a son of a coach. But again, th- I think there are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that are practicing all the time. And we're not seeing those guys improve. Well, look, well, if, if I'm going to be a fan of a team or draft a quarterback, I want Tom Brady and not Kyler Murray if we're talking about one right, of the spectrum. Right. Yeah. So, also, I mean, there was a time, everybody's guilty of that, right? Like, you want your guy to be all about that, yes. like Tom Brady. Now, people may criticize that, dude, you're not going to war. You know, don't compare it to military service, whatever. I understand what he's saying. Yeah. It feels like you're leaving your family and you can't see them to do your job is the point that he's making. There was a time when when uh, things came very easy to Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, yeah, right. First I don't seven think weeks there was of last year. Yeah, but also in college and in high school, Tom Brady, we know at Michigan, did, did not have an easy time. Right. He had to to work very hard. So the way they came up in terms of the mindsets they formed, in terms of what they had to do to be quote unquote ready were very different. Also, one of them's the first pick in the draft, and one of them's the 199th pick in the draft, yes. who needed a lacerated spleen or whatever it was to get in the, in the lineup and have a chance. So some of it is, uh, you know, nurture. I agree. And then uh, Aaron Rodgers, who <laughs> he uh, skips Set. out on the offseason and then goes and wins an MVP award. You know, and then skips out another off season and does it again, and then but then doesn't do much this off season and now sucks, <laughs> or at least his offense sucks. Devontae and he's Adams. telling them they need to simplify it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I do love though uh, how uh, you know people. I know a lot of people don't like Aaron Rodgers. That's fine. Uh, I, I like him. I'm a fan, and some people probably hate this about him. But I love the fact that he's just asked questions in the post game. <laughs> he's like, "What would you do to change the offense?" Like, we'll simplify it. Like he's giving you direct answers on what should happen. He's like, I mean, I'm not saying that it's just me or anyone else, but it's clear that we need to make things simpler yeah, on everyone. <laughs> I don't think it's him. It's him that. clearly calling out the yeah. line and the receivers or whoever and saying they don't understand what we need to do, so we need to dumb things down for them. Are these two teams right now, though, the, the Bucks and the Packers, somewhat similar in that um, the, the, the Bucks not by design, um, but they had a couple retirements on the offensive line, lost a couple guys, or, or a retirement and a big injury, and they're, they're filling in. And then um, the, the receivers get hurt, and you look at it and you say they're just asking too much of Brady. And then you go to Green Bay, and they let Adams deal Adams. And, you know, we all said, well, you know, these receivers don't look that good, but Rodgers just has a way of rising to the occasion. And I'm feeling like, it's only six games in, and we know they can go on a massive winning streak and everything can become just fine. 
But I feel like right now you're just asking. They're aging. Neither of them getting any younger. Right. And you're just asking too much. Are the guys expecting too much? Well, both are three and three right now, right? I'm going to go on a limb and make a prediction that one of those two quarterbacks will play in the NFC Championship game. They'll one get, of them will get, get there. One well, of them will surprised. figure it out, and they'll get going at the right time. And the other one maybe and, and win a game put. or two in the playoffs and play in the NFC Championship game. I, I trust Green Bay to do that more because Tampa can't run it. They're awful running the football. He's throwing Brady's throwing fifty times. We had the stat last week, Chad, about the fifty times in his career when he has to have fifty attempts in his record, and it's remarkable. But you know, this this is not out of design. This is out of necessity because they can't run it unless it's four net at the goal line. Um, at least Green Bay's got two serviceable, you know, I won't say marquee running backs, but, but they can run. guys two that good can run. Backs. Yeah. So I trust that more. But the Bucks' defense is also carrying them to some extent. At least they were in the first part of the season. It's rough. Asking a lot. Asking a lot. It's rough across the NFL right now. Hopefully things pick up and we start to have a lot of exciting primetime, prime window games. But even Chiefs-Bills, while it was close, disappointed based on expectation of what we saw in the playoffs a year ago. And here's the logical question that follows it up. Does it affect the ratings at all if it stays like this? I mean, I think honestly, I mean, where the NFL is, night, you got to turn. Paul, it probably take two to three years of this sustained for it to actually affect the ratings. It's not going to affect I, the not, ratings I, right I, now. Not not like overall in a big way, but is there a game here and there? Uh, 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 Chicago's on prime time again Monday. Yeah, it, it would take. I mean, people. Are gonna, I think it would take years of this to affect the ratings yeah. of it being like this. Well, we. I mean, we talked about this. Chicago's on there for a reason. Dallas is on there for a reason. You know, they're they're putting these markets. Uh, Steelers do really well. They they put the markets on to where you're going to get the biggest audience in the fan base to to watch it because that's your team, right? Yeah, and then but the Bears can do great though. Every Bears fan in on earth could tune into the Bears on Monday night if everybody else says, you know what? I, but there's I, I just don't feel as for weird as it sounds. We also tune in out of habit. There's also Paul. Just it doesn't matter how bad they are. That Steelers helmet, that Bears helmet. Yeah. People would rather watch that's that than a Panthers. really good Carolina Panthers team. On. I mean, fans will sit around I mean, and watch there's, the draft. There's, there's franchises like the, third round. the Arizona Cardinals could be undefeated, and you could put a Green Bay Packers team that's 1-6 and six on, and people are going to notice that helmet more and want to root against them or root for them. That's just human nature. I hate the, it. The, I, I hate the teams that that's we know more true, about. except the, the team you raise. We've, all, we've had this conversation about teams that we just have blanket non-interest in, and Carolina's one of mine, no matter how good they are. I, that, that's one of those teams. That helmet is yeah. just a massive turnoff to me. Not, not just the helmet, but the organization. And they're it's a zero for me. Coming up, we will discuss Tennessee and Bama and uh, TV ratings for that. Also, we'll go through the unbeatens across the uh, college football landscape, starting with the SEC, working our way through the Pac-12, and we'll discuss, top to bottom, our thoughts on the Southeastern Conference to this point. First, though, Outkick 360, excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience, trusted partner that keeps Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. Vitalifescience.com is the website. V-I-D-A, lifescience.com is where you can see more information. And our Outkick 360 season ticket holders listening right now, you receive a 15% discount with the code 
Outkick 360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed, but here's Aurora. Unique cutting edge, nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes, and that ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. Visit VitalLifeScience.com for more info. V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. VitalLifeScience.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Outkick 360, glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Tennessee and Alabama, the most watched college football game of the season, and wasn't even close, Chad, by a million. Yeah, um, crazy. Uh, a million different, uh, it was the gap between Texas, Alabama, and then Tennessee, Alabama. Um, Alabama, part of both those, by the way. This from Barrett Salee. Tennessee-Alabama was the most-watched Tennessee-Alabama game since 1987. Most-watched game of the season on any network, averaging 11.557 million viewers, up 145% from last year. The game peaked at the end at over 17 million viewers. Here's what's even more staggering to me. Locally in Nashville, not Knoxville, where the University of Tennessee is located, in Nashville, Tennessee versus Alabama – outrated every single Titans game from a year ago other than the regular season finale against the Texans and the playoff loss to the Bengals. And in the very end, a 71 share. That means 71% of all televisions in Middle Tennessee were on Tennessee-Alabama on Saturday. That is nuts because I thought for years a college game could not outrate the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. I think it makes perfect sense in that ton of Alabama. I mean, this Nashville is the hub of SEC alum, right? Well, it's and, also the hub of front-running Alabama fans that jumped ship when right. Nick Saban got there. But so, so yes, you've that got makes a sense. very, very good Alabama team, a very good Tennessee team, undefeated, squaring off um, in the mecca, if you will, of of SEC fans. So if it's going to be monstrous, it would be monstrous here. It's still surprising, though, because, um, you know, the Titans typically in Nashville or Middle Tennessee, that's the one that people can come together on on Sunday. Auburn, Alabama, Kentucky, LSU, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee. If you're in Nashville, you can still root for the Titans and watch that game. There's going to be interest in that game. So the fact that they outrated the Titans, but all but two games from a year ago, was shocking to me. But nationally, I mean, I knew it was going to be huge. We talked about it last week. It was the biggest, not just Tennessee game or SEC game, the biggest college football game of the year, and it lived up to that hype. Another interesting stat, the past five weeks, the CBS 230 game or 330 Eastern has been the highest-rated college football game of the day and of the week. That's the first time that's happened in nine years for CBS. This is all coming in the last year of their relationship with the SEC. They moved yeah. to the Big Ten. They they did not outbid everyone else for the SEC moving forward. 
Boy, that looks like a big mistake. Big that mistake. CBS is losing that game. And speaking of the Titans, the Titans ratings have been down. Part of it is that they've been on Fox three times, and then they had that Monday night fiasco at Buffalo. Sunday is their first CBS game, which is where people are most used to watching them. It's not as traditional AFC, NFC as it used to be. They're distributing the games in a more even fashion, the Sunday games. Um, so they'll be on their quote-unquote home network now. We'll see if things start to even out more. Because th- this is a huge game for them uh, for the top of the AFC South. Well, and also, I mean, the gap between watchability between Tennessee Vols football and Titans football oh. is, uh, I mean, it is insomnia. Yeah, the Vols are a joy, watching uh, a the, joy right Watching now. the Titans offense right now. I mean, they're 3-2, and two, and they're gonna, they should be playing meaningful games in December. And the rating should go up just like it did the final regular season week and playoffs a year ago. But it's, I mean, it's not even close. And it's not been often. I'm not saying this is some Tennessee grad. Oh, man, the Vols are so much better. That's not normally the case. <laughs> but this year, with this Tennessee offense and this story, I mean, what would you rather watch just as an impartial, objective fan of sports? That Tennessee offense play games and the games they're playing in or the Titans? trying to throw the ball to Jeff Swain on a Sunday. Jeff Swain shot. I'm watching both. I mean, Sir. yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I'm I think watching a lot of people too. are too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but I mean, which one I watch more, I'm watching Tennessee, Alabama. More. Of course. I'm not watching Tennessee, Akron or, you know, one of those games. Well, and again. Um, and making that appointment viewing like I am the 2.30 CBS game every week. And the Tennessee Vols. And they're going to be on now more. In middle Tennessee. That's still pretty shocking. Yes, that 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 Amazing. happens for any college. So game. here's here's the next question I have for you. Let's let's hypothetically here look ahead. Get to the Georgia game. What's the rating for Tennessee Georgia? <clears throat> What's kickoff for Tennessee? It's, I'd say it's the same. Uh, I would say it's close to the same That's as that. Be a if it's kickoff. if it's a two, they yeah, announced it, it's going to be two thirty CBS. Uh, Tennessee needs to beat Kentucky. They'll beat UT Martin this weekend. That'll be the next test. That's an ESPN night game. Tennessee uh, not a. Very well-kept secret. They're going to apparently wear black helmets and black uniforms on Halloween weekend at night against Kentucky. Spooky. Spooky season, Paul. So beat Kentucky, get to 8-0, and you've got two 8-0 teams playing in November in Athens for the SEC's championship. It's going to have a big number. Down to three unbeatens right now in the SEC with Georgia, Tennessee, and Ole Miss. Alabama suffering their first loss, and there you see the unbeatens right now uh, across college football and the, the, the Power Five, Big Ten, Ohio State, and Michigan. Clemson and Syracuse in the ACC. TCU remains unbeaten in the Big 12 and in the Pac-12, UCLA. So because SC fell down a notch. If we are uh, just going through the list here, and, and I, I'm actually going to write this this week at OutKick. I'm going to go through each of the contenders that are still undefeated for college football playoff spots and put them in different categories of the real teams, the great surprises that aren't going to last too long, Syracuse, and some of the other ones on the list. Well, and Ole Miss. They're going to, they're going to knock too. each other off too, right? I mean, there's in this exercise, I'll show you the head-to-head games that are to come. Tennessee and Georgia, for instance, right? Ole, Ole Miss has still got to play um, Alabama, uh, UCLA, USC later in the season, even though USC's got one loss now. Ohio State and Michigan will match up. So I I would watch out for TCU. 
I was just looking at TCU. They've got at Texas November 12th. That's the that toughest to me is one the left. danger, the danger. But outside of that, I mean, look, look Kansas the rest State of the schedule. this week, right? Uh, Kansas State, 17th. Texas, that's it. And there will be a Big 12 championship game that they would need to win. They're not a team that can have one loss and be in the playoff. Because just as an example, if Tennessee loses to Georgia but beats Kentucky and wins out a pretty poor schedule the rest of the way, 11-1 and Tennessee is getting in over one loss TCU. And they're probably, not probably, I'll go ahead and claim it. They're getting in over one loss Ohio State or Michigan with those schedules. Because no one's going to have the wins that Tennessee has at that point and the strength of schedule. So they would almost be better served in an odd way to lose to Georgia and not have to play Bama again in an SEC championship game. And then they could backdoor their way into the, let's say, the four seed in a college football playoff in that scenario. Well, you could also just play Bama again, and if you lose, you're still getting in, just like what happened to Georgia last year. True. If you beat in Georgia. Yeah, yeah, it could be right. a situation where you know the, the loser is going to go no matter what, and it's just kind of for fun in the SEC championship game. Here's something I thought about also. Clemson hosts Syracuse this week. If the game was at Syracuse, it would have a lot of Tennessee-Bama feels to it in that not a lot of people – I mean, Bama was a 10-point favorite. I know a lot of analysts were picking Tennessee, but it felt like this is a game where Bama gets it right and wins. But two undefeated teams, one hasn't been there in a long time. The other one's there every year. The one who is just now stepping up to the national stage won the game. Could that happen in consecutive weeks? Where now you've got two undefeated teams again, Clemson and Syracuse. Could the team that no one's expecting to win, win and give Clemson their first loss and keep Syracuse unbeaten? Well, with the games in Syracuse, I think college game day is there. To for further the, your point. For the first time ever. That's one of the schools yeah, they've never visited. I think they're going, they're going to Oregon yep. this week instead. Headed out west. And they've already been to Clemson once. SEC I think Clemson's going to win that game, though. I agree. I feel pretty strong about that. Yeah, and, and they look so much better than what I expected uh, to this point in the season with Clemson. So they, they could remain unbeaten. You've got uh, Michigan or Ohio State that we expect to remain unbeaten. Uh, Tennessee and Georgia will match up. Of course, the SEC championship factors in all this. Ole Miss, they have a gauntlet stretch that starts this week. 2.30 Central Time kickoff on CBS is their matchup against LSU. And the other SEC matchups, Mississippi State will head to Alabama, and South Carolina is hosting Texas A&M, as well as uh, Tennessee and UT Martin. Vanderbilt takes on Missouri. Really interested in uh, South Carolina, Texas A&M, just from a which team in the middle of the pack right now or really can remain in the middle of the pack of the SEC or drop below that between those two teams. You mentioned Ole Miss's gauntlet schedule, and they're 7-0 and right now. They've already yeah, played seven, seven games of the bot. Yeah. Yep. So at LSU, at Texas A&M at night at Kyle Field, then they get a late bye week on November 5th. Then it's Alabama at home, at Arkansas, Mississippi State at home. Rough. Now read off their first seven games. First seven we, we games. We hit on here. this this off season. This this to me is a bit of a mirage like where half and half. They uh, Kiffin deserves a ton of credit because he lost both coordinators. They swapped out a lot of players, and here they are Drafted seven and zero. But you know this could be a two loss team, and you look up real fast. Still a ten win team, right? But a two loss team, and you're like, well, 
that didn't last long, but listen to these. Troy, I believe, is who they opened up with. They beat Troy 28-10. to They beat Central Arkansas, FCS school, 59-3. to They won at Georgia Tech 42-0. They beat Tulsa by 8, 35-27. They had the wild finish with Kentucky, where Kentucky should have won the game. They're down there in scoring range, and then Will Levis fumbles. Game's over. They win by three at home against Kentucky. They win 52-28 to at Vandy. They were trailing at halftime of that game at Vandy and exploded in the second half. Then they beat Auburn in a tough game, 48-34, where both teams ran all over each other. This could be the reckoning weekend. Yes. If LSU plays like they did against Florida, they're winning by two-plus scores at home against Ole Miss on Saturday. Now, if they make it through, so that it's just one more game before, no, two more. They've got to make it through LSU and A&M to have the bye week, yep. and then we're getting to Alabama, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, look, they're conceivably – they could be riding a four-game losing streak and be at 7-4 and four playing Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl to end the season. Because it is at LSU, at A&M, Bama at home, at Arkansas. That's their next four games. Coming That's up, rough. More SEC discussion, plus uh, we'll take a peek at the matchup in the Major League Baseball postseason, a deciding Game 5, where a first pitch is about to happen in about 20 minutes or so. And 15 minutes from right now, John McClain joins us with all the NFL headlines on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Former Titan Delaney Walker announcing officially he's retired and he's swinging by the studio in about an hour and 20 minutes from now. Looking forward to that. I'll he get was 360 one of the good on. ones. Yeah. Did a player show with him for two years or three? Two. Two years. And it was, dare I say, maybe the best player show in the city's <laughs> history. One then, of them well, for sure. And then we had uh, the Logan Ryan show where uh, he was on with us for two years. And um, both, there he's having foot surgery good. today. Logan is, and he's going to IR and hopes to return right at the end of the season as the Bucks are headed to the playoffs. Hud, what I'm saying is we're really good at doing player shows. Oh. So put us with anyone, and we'll make it good. That's right. But put us with Delaney Walker or Logan uh, Ryan, and it's awesome. great. Yeah, he's got great stories. We'll catch up on what he's been up to, which is like drag racing. Yeah, it's fascinating what he's been doing. I can't wait to ask him yeah. about that. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe we'll have a clip shown of a certain game against the Bengals where he trucked me on the sideline. We must show that moment. clip. It's, a, it's one that will live on in infamy. <laughs> it was uh, shocking. Uh, and it shows Hutton's bravery. It shows, well, it shows Hutton's ability to bounce up in surprise, pop right back up. Get right back up. I think, you were, I think you were probably a little bit shocked because you didn't see it coming at all. And then boom. Oh, no, I saw it coming. 
I mean, I, I in seconds. Yes, I mean you. I had the choice to get out of the way or not, and I chose not to because I thought he was going. Like, if if I go left, he goes right, then he's trucking me, and vice versa. So maybe if I just stay here, he'll choose to go a different way. You H- see it all the time. Hutton, what you're saying is you, you overestimated his athleticism. But I do. You thought this is a pro tight end that's a great athlete. He's, he's going to know how to me. step away from me. Yes. So I'm going to let him do it and not have myself try to do it. And instead, he didn't do that and just ran right through. Yeah, he he trucked me, and that's exactly what he told me as he as he did. Um, we we will have him analyze the uh, the, the film. Yes, that's uh, coming up later. John McClain joins us uh, in roughly five minutes. Uh, Paul, your thoughts as the Yankees are about to have a first pitch against the Guardians, <laughs> and you need a win to continue your World Series hopes for this year. I had a meeting earlier today with a guy who's a Guardians fan, and uh, we were just kind of commiserating over the suddenness. Uh, Chad, you've been through this. I mean, it's a 162-game season. If you really get into your team, you've got them on. You know, you're not watching every single game, but most of the time, if they're playing and you're at home, it's on at least in the background. And today, you know, that whole long thing, dating all the way back to April, could come to an end. And then tomorrow, it's not like I'm going to be watching whoever else is playing. You know, maybe a couple highlights. That suddenness is killer. More than anything, I just don't want that. More than I want something else. Yeah, I don't want that. April was a long time ago. That's the way I feel when (laughs) a season ends in October and the playoffs is... Man, that feels like a year and a half ago that this season started. It's such a big investment. Thinking about your team early in the season... I remember being in Atlanta in May and thinking the Braves are four games under 500 before the big run. And oh, are they going to get it together? And then how much happened from then? That was almost two months into the season. Also, the Yankees have the potential to get better. LeMahieu and other guys are getting healthy in Tampa right now and could be in the ALCS. John McClain's Astros await, and he's with us next. As John we talk NFL headlines on Outkick 360.